0: Good evening, I'm uh, the original Luke, uh, if anyone... Shots fired, and eh? we've only been up here 30 seconds. Um, I'm gonna call up my wife, Zanz- Zandi, in a minute. I don't see her, Do you know, does anyone know who she is? Okay, cool, will you call her for me? Yeah, don't know. will you call her? So, um, I was... Uh, it's been a while since I've been here, I was... Um, I think I was here 13 years ago. Um, I was actually a part of this congregation. Some of you were around at that time, still. So it's good to be back. Very good to be back. And uh, thank you. Um, so yeah, let me let me just pray, and then I'll ask uh, Zans to come share. Zans, uh, Zandile, my wife. Uh, for those of you who have not met her, uh, since I left, I married and I came back uh, within the inter- the interleading 13 years uh, but a bit has changed um, but yeah thank you Lord Jesus for what you've already done tonight and just really feels like your spirit is already stirring in our hearts Lord yes. and um, Holy Spirit would you come even more would you anoint every word would you come and refresh would you come and blow wind in our sails thank you Father God that it's all of grace and we thank you for your grace tonight. We pray, may we encounter your grace, Lord Jesus, before we leave this place. Every single person to encounter your grace. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just uh, before I, c- I call Zandi up um, to share that word. Got it? on Your phone. just want to share a, a little anecdote um, about my first um, experience in uh, Luke's home with Zandi, and they had us around for lunch, and um, I was overwhelmed, you know, I was really overwhelmed, mostly by the number of kids uh, running around the place. I was trying to get a tally of of how many kids there actually were, and at one point I I just gave up and I said to Luke, you know, how many kids are there actually here? And he simply said, all of them. But it's really been cool just to to get to know the Watsons and uh, to get to know some of you guys as well. But um, maybe Zanz, why don't you come up? Uh, Zanz uh, had a word which I read through just during worship, and she sprung it on me, which she was feeling for this congregation. It really resonated with me. So will you share
1: it? Um, So it's um, the phrase, um, well, it's a scripture in Romans, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, But I also felt Romans 15, um, verse 4 to 6, then verse 13. For everything that was written in former times was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures, we may have hope. Now may the God of endurance and comfort give you unity with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I really felt that people in this congregation are people of hope and there's been an endurance and finding encouragement in God's promise so that you may have hope and there's been a knitting of hearts that has brought a unity and God making you one voice. But I really felt like That last verse, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you may overflow with hope. I really felt like God is wanting to, yeah, to just let his hope to overflow so that people who are going around the same mountains would have hope to break through. So that people who've been faithful and are feeling restricted or like they've hit a a ceiling that they would have hope for more. And I just felt like there's such an an inheritance for this congregation. There's so much inheritance for you and that that one voice, that meeting of hearts that God is making for you to be one voice, it's to be a voice of hope. I really felt like God is going to bring people that are hopeless and people that are in despair so that you as a congregation can be a voice of hope and just that God's hope would overflow through you as he fills you with his joy, as he fills you with his peace.
0: Beautiful. Hey, I just, while we were worshipping, I I know we weren't singing the song, but I had that, the the song, Amazing Grace, flowing through my mind. Just uh, that lyric, um, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Then this, this particular line, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed? And I really felt like God wanted to minister His grace to you tonight. Um, I, I feel like um, God wants to, um, uh, when, when Luke asked me to share, he said, Would you just share something fresh? Uh, and I, I do feel like I want to share something fresh, but not only do I want to f- share something fresh, I feel like the Lord wants to refresh refresh your hearts refresh our hearts and so um yeah it feels like the lord wants to um especially for older believers those of you who've been walking with the lord for a long time god still wants you to be fresh he still wants you to be filled with his grace filled with this passion. Didn't you love how God was even just stirring up our passion for Him again in worship? Isn't it incredible? You can serve Jesus for a couple of decades and you'll be standing in worship feeling a bit dry and you just start to worship Him and His grace comes and you feel that old passion stirring up again. I find it so encouraging that He does that because my own passion wanes. It goes from a high to a low and when it gets to a low, it's done but with His grace, He gives us a passion again and again. Um, so I want to start with a scripture which um, I'm, I'm almost wanting, hoping will provoke a sense of wonder in us again, uh, in, 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 in the sense of being fresh for Jesus, starting with you know that song, May We Never Lose the Wonder. You know? That's a great song for old Christians because you, do sometimes, you don't ever wanna lose that childlike wonder um, that's one of the that's so refreshing about spending time with new believers, isn't it? Everything looks so new and exciting, and it stirs you. You're like, yeah, that's true. It is so beautiful. It, 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 I, I never want to lose that sense of wonder, um, which is why I love being in City Bowl. For most of the people haven't been saved for more than five years in our congregation. <laughs> <laughs> it de- definitely does help me to stay fresh. But I, I wanted to, to, to start with this verse and... Um, it's in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 21 and 23. Um, it's, it's a thought-provoking verse. We had a Bible study the other morning with a bunch of guys, and, we, and I put this verse up, and I said, guys, help me to, help me to understand what... Oh, Christoph's smiling because he was there. Uh, help me to wrap my brain about what on earth is going on in this verse you know paul sometimes drops these little lines and he's not even really talking about this he's talking about unity in the church and he drops this little line as if it's the most obvious thing in the world and i was sitting there reading this thinking does that actually mean what 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 i think he's saying there and how how can it mean that so he says so then no more boasting about men all things are yours okay We'll get that. We'll have to come back to that one. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. Shall we move on? Because we've already we've already we've kind of chewed on that, and we we'll move on to the next topic, shall we? And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. That is that's a great. Let's just rewind that a little bit. All things are yours. Then he is it, well, what thing? Well, let's, we'll mention Paul, Apollos, Cephas, the, the world is yours, um, the present, the future, all are yours. But he's actually talking about unity. He just sort of drops this one line in there, but I'm thinking, wait, wait, what does this, what does this even mean? I mean, it's a prosperity gospel, and then there's this. This is like, what, what? What do you mean it's all mine? Um, but, Paul is, is actually, I'd love to just just not say anything for the next five minutes and let you just stew on that, like we did in our Bible study, because it's sometimes good to just wrestle with, like, what, what is he talking about? Death, life, future, present, the world. I'm just Luke, you know, I have a bank account that's very humble, and this, this here is, is just uh, extraordinary, you know, um, but, but he's actually referring to our unity with Christ, now, how many of you married well in the sense that you married somebody very, very wealthy? I'm not going to ask for, for a show of hands because uh, it's got negative connotations in society when you, marry, when you marry like that. But that is exactly what we did when we were betrothed to Christ. We married up in a spectacular way. I mean, this is, what, this is how well we married up right here. The world is ours. What does that even mean? Well, when you say your marriage vows, one of the things you say is, all that I have, I give to you. Everything I have, I share with you. Do you know Jesus did that with us? That's what covenant means. We married very well, guys. I felt One of the reasons why I'm wanting to provoke you with this is because I feel like the Lord wants to break a poverty mentality. You know, um, it's true that we suffer in the kingdom. It's true that we pay a massive cost in the kingdom, but we must never feel sorry for ourselves. If you do start to feel sorry for yourself, just give this a read over one or two more times, and you'll begin to feel very encouraged. Um, It was so provoking, I felt like I needed another scripture to just Uh, affirm this one we shouldn't have to have another scripture to affirm this one because it's so thought-provoking let's put up 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 4 and 10 and you can find out that suffering and uh, incredible riches go together in the kingdom you ready this this one is a real mind-bender it's good to have a a good balanced theology this one will balance it right out Uh, rather as servants of God we commend ourselves in every way In great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory, and dishonor. Bad report and good report. Genuine, yet regarded as impostors. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet we live on. Beaten, and yet not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, did I mention I'm poor? Yet, making many rich having nothing and yet possessing everything we don't have the right to a poverty spirit in the kingdom we married well we married well folks Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father all authority all power has been given to him and he is busy making his enemies a footstool under his feet And when he comes back for us, everything is ours. But never mind then. What about now? Jesus said, anything that you need, you just ask. We don't have to have a fear of scarcity in our lives. We never have to. Jesus commanded us not to fear, not to be anxious. He said, your father is in on this earth, they treat you well. They're evil compared to me. I'm a good father. Does that make sense? I know I'm provoking you, but I feel like the Lord wanted me to provoke us. We're not called to feel sorry for ourselves in the kingdom because we married well. We married very well. And so all of these things are a fruit of being united with Christ. How many of you know that everything about our salvation has to, be with, has to do with being in Christ? Everything that we have, everything, our salvation, our hope, our faith, our righteousness, everything has to do with being in Christ. Our inheritance that we just read about now has got to do with being in Christ. And there's something that tonight I feel the Lord wants to remind us of, of what, how do we actually remain in Christ? Not sure if you if you like to do Bible studies. I I like to do a study, and those are one of the questions that have come up often. And over the years, I've wrestled with this question: How do how do I? I know I need to remain in Christ, because Jesus said, didn't He in John for chapter fifteen, "remain in Me," and it's like a branch connected to a vine, and life will begin to flow. That's grace. Grace will begin to flow through your life, and you'll be fruitful. And that's what I want. And so isn't it interesting if you do that study, like how how do I remain in Christ? You'll you'll be doing so well one day and you'll seize upon a verse and you'll say, I found it. It's faith. Faith is remaining in Christ. And you're like, finally solved that riddle. Now I can go on remaining in Christ. And then you'll be going and doing another Bible study and you'll see something about um, obedience. Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll obey me and you'll remain in my love. And you're thinking, okay, I thought it was faith. obedience obedience is a thing obedience is how you remain in Christ and then you'll be going on reading especially John likes to do this and then you'll read and you'll talk about love if you want to remain in my love love as I love and you think I thought it was (laughs) so I'm gonna sum it up for you it's trusting listening and obeying and I want to just unpack that a little bit tonight how can we remain and experience the grace of God and stay fresh no matter how many decades you've been following Christ, keep it really, really simple and experience the grace of, of God in my life. So I, the reason why I use trust instead of the word faith, both mean the same thing, but I find the connotation that trust has is that it's relational. You trust somebody that you know, you trust somebody that you feel safe with, you trust somebody that's, it's an intimate word, isn't it? Trust. And so, remaining in Christ starts but definitely doesn't end with trusting Christ. But trusting is a rich word in Scripture. It's trusting to the extent that I stop trusting in me and I start trusting in Him. It's trusting to the sense, in the sense that I actually surrender. I let go of, my, of control and I trust Him to have control over my life. There's a very, I'm going to quote a few old cheesy uh, Christian sayings that some of you have been around for a couple of decades will really appreciate. An acronym for faith, a very cheesy acronym which means a lot to me, is, that, is for, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all, I trust Him. And faith has got that aspect to it where it's not only taking hold of Christ, it's letting go of something else. It's forsaking all. All other saviors, all other defense mechanisms, letting go, surrendering, and trusting Him. An even cheesier one, we're going to get cheesy tonight. Let Jesus take the wheel. Hey? Let Jesus take the wheel. It's so cheesy, but it's so profound, because it's this picture of this car and you steering your life, thinking you know where you're going to go thinking you know how to get there, what's the best route to get there, making sure you don't crash into anyone else on the way because I'm a good driver. It's like letting go, all those things, and letting Jesus, trusting him. And so, it starts with trust. The interesting thing about humans, and I'm gonna just be honest and say the interesting thing about me too, is that I don't find letting Jesus take the wheel very easy, to be honest. And um, when I, I first got married, it was the first time I began to realize that um, I have some control tendencies. <laughs> the problem with getting married is you can't control your wife. Uh, you can definitely try, um, but you can't control your wife. And, and the Lord took me on a journey of realizing just how much and how strongly I try and control my life. And... and Trusting Christ is, is actually doing the opposite. It's letting go of control. You actually can't control your life. You actually have to surrender your life and trust Him to protect you, to lead you, to guide you. Um, this is how serious this, 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 this is. If you don't surrender, you'll burn out. Grace operates through trust. It's... God, you're powerful, I'm weak. God, you're wise, I'm foolish. I'm dumb. I need you. Grace operates in trust. And you either trust Christ or you trust yourself. You actually can't trust both at the same time. And so pride is the opposite of faith. And pride leads to burnout. Pride leads to anxiety. Pride leads to a, a, a spiritual walk that's actually a barren wasteland because grace doesn't live there. That's how it's, it's got. And I'm speaking now from Scripture. Uh, but I've also, unfortunately, had the life experience to back Scripture up. <laughs> Some anti-testimonies. And so both, both um, it's interesting. Uh, if, if, you, if you struggle with insecurity, the root is, I've put my trust in me. If you struggle with pride, the root is, i put my trust in me interesting both insecurity and pride are rooted in putting my trust in myself rather than in Christ isn't that interesting and so a, a fresh graceful life following Christ starts with trusting him and doubting myself and it's got to do with letting go of my control issues number two listen so I mentioned trust listen following Christ Is about following the shepherd's voice isn't it interesting and beautiful how often Jesus would speak about his voice and an essential life it's a life you won't survive Christianity without the skill of being able to recognize the voice of Jesus I want to share two stories with you of moments in my life when the voice of Christ has given me sanity you know, it's interesting, you can almost go through anything in life, but if you can still hear the voice of Jesus, you're fine. Isn't that true? Some, um, some, both, both of them are super, super lows, but don't get depressed because it's about God's grace, right? When, um, when my mother passed away, I was very, very close to my mom, and um, she, she died a very slow, miserable death. It was very painful. And I remember um, having my quiet time and reading through the Psalms, and I came across that psalm which says, "Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of those whom He loves." Now, I'm a, I'm a teacher type, so I'm, I'm puzzling over this. I'm doing a Bible study and I'm trying to unpack like, what, is, what exactly does that mean? And as I finish up my Bible study, I check my phone and I've got a message to say, "My mom just died." And I had those words still reverberating in my head, "Precious in the sight of the Lord." is the death of those whom He loves. And do you know that that was the thing that gave me comfort in that moment. I was okay. I experienced the grace of God because I realized God loves my mom. And her death is precious to Him. It means as much to Him as what it means to me. And so this thing of hearing the voice of the Lord. You can go through anything. But if you're hearing His voice, you'll have grace. Isn't that beautiful? It's encouraging, eh? The other time I'll mention is more recent. I was on a weekend away uh, with a bunch of leaders, um, and uh, Andrew Selly came over to me and he said, I've got bad news, Dan's fallen into sin and you're leading a congregation, I can't talk a lot about it now, but uh, we'll chat more later, and then he walked off. From that moment, I was leading City Bowl congregation, um, in, in a moment, I was in the m- middle of COVID, it's a very big congregation i've never led any congregation in my life before it's a very big eldership team and uh, leading a congregation is difficult at the best of times but in the middle of COVID, (laughs) when people are fighting about whether they should be wearing masks or not and whether they should be getting vaccinated or not and feeling so judged and people having mental and i was like lord what have you done to me like i I... i and and you know what kept me sane I'd get on my knees every morning and I'd pray. And the Lord would say, Luke, this is what I, want you, I would like you to do this week with the congregation. And I'd be like, okay, cool, I, I can do that. And then I would do it. And there'd be life. And then the next day, I'd get on my knees again and say, okay, Lord, what, what, do, you, I, what do you want me to do now? And I found I, I, could, I could, I was like, Lord, well, if, if you're going to keep doing this, Lord, I, I can definitely lead this congregation because <laughs> you're just telling me what I must do, right? But actually, there's grace for any situation that you find yourself in, if you are hearing the voice of the Lord, the, qu- the question is, are you seeking the voice of the Lord? Or are you relying on your own wisdom? How many days can go past and you realize, man, I haven't even stopped to think, like, Lord, what are you saying to me? It happens to me, and I'm like, Lord, sorry, let's just take a moment. What are you speaking to me, Lord? I would say to you, as an encouragement to you, if you want to stay fresh in the Lord, if you want to experience the grace of the Lord, ask that question regularly. Stop in the morning. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me? When he speaks, write it down. Write it down and say, Lord, thank you. There's this beautiful word of advice. I don't know where I heard it, but in some persecuted nation. They've only got a very short space of time to do a discipleship program. They don't have um, Start Here. What's that A series called? Foundation Schools. They've got like two weeks. And so this is how they do the discipleship. They pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They say, okay, cool. Jesus said you're his sheep. You can hear his voice. Here's how you recognize his voice. Okay, cool. I'm not going to be able to be with you long. Here's what you need to do until Jesus returns. Listen to his voice. When he speaks to you, do it. Then go back to Jesus and ask Him for what's the next thing. And just keep doing that until you die or Jesus returns and you'll be fine. (laughs) You know, that's silly and it sounds funny, but it's actually so true. We are sheep following a shepherd. We experience grace when we follow His voice. Amen? I know this is really, really simple, but actually the Scriptures and following Jesus is actually really simple. And it's how we experience grace. And the last thing I'll mention... So trust, listen, obey. If you are feeling spiritually stagnant, this would be my challenge to you. Ask yourself these two questions. Lord, is there anything in my life that's offensive to you that I've been doing for a little while and I've been ignoring the prick of my conscience? Please, Lord, be be gracious to me and speak again. Is there anything on my conscience, Lord, that I'm ignoring? Speak again, Lord. I'll repent. And when he does, repent. The second thing is, Lord, is there anything you've been asking me to do for a long time now? and I haven't done it yet. And when he speaks, go and do it. Obedience breaks open a freshness. Haven't you experienced? Especially radical, like challenging, sacrificial obedience. You suddenly experience a freshness. In his in in your walk with with Christ maybe you can put up that scripture uh, John chapter 14 verse 21 whoever has my commands and obeys them he is the one who loves me he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him this, this is a curious thing about the kingdom jesus shows you himself and then he sees what you do with it with that revelation if you're faithful with it if you steward that grace well he gives you more and exactly the same is true with obedience If he speaks to you and you're quick to obey he speaks more if he speaks to you and you ignore him he stops speaking and so very often if the lord stops speaking to me i'll say okay lord wait where where, where did i stop obeying you (laughs) And I just back it up a little bit, and then he—he's faithful, he's gracious, he's kind. He'll show you. It's one of the few prayers he answers really, really quickly, I find. And he'll—he'll be gracious to you. So tonight, I feel like God's wanting—he has been through worship and through the prophetic words. He's wanting to restore joy. He's wanting to restore freshness. He's wanting to restore us to grace. And I feel like these are the things he wants to remind us of. Trust me, let go of control. Listen to my voice and obey my voice and you'll continue to walk. And this has got to do with big things and small things that as we keep in step with his spirit, we experience his his life. I want to just end with a scripture and then I want to maybe lead us in a time of response because we can't do uh, trust, listen, obey and then not respond, eh? Because that would neglect the third step then you've already disobeyed the word of the Lord. <laughs> but um, there's this scripture in, in, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's a, if, you, if you ever want to just dwell on the wonders of, it's not this one yet, so I'll get to this one now, this is right at the end. If you ever want to dwell on the wonders of the new heaven, the new earth, if you're a curious person wondering about what is the resurrection going to look like, what's my new resurrection body going to look, look like, uh, this is a great chapter. It's all about when Jesus returns. It's an incredibly encouraging passage because so much of our faith and our trust and our hope as Christians is rooted in that day, isn't it? Waiting for the return of Christ. And so he spends a whole chapter talking about the new earth and the new heaven, our new resurrection bodies and Jesus' return, and then he ends it with this. And so I'm doing the exact same, same thing tonight. Remember, I started with heaven and our inheritance. And now I'm ending with this, the same as he ends his passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. You can put it up now. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen? felt like that word isn't a word of encouragement I felt the Lord wanted to speak to you as a congregation because the labor in the Lord is not in vain we, we we're not uh, subject to as a, a spirit of self-pity because of our hard our lives are no no we married well and 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 there's a hope and a joy and a future and it breaks into the present from time to time as well we experience this joy now we experience this peace now we experience fellowship with Christ now we experience the abiding voice of our shepherd when we need him most now already and that is our inheritance and so I want to just close but I'm not closing in the sense of I'm closing the, the word but now that actually the response starts is that cool so let's maybe just close our eyes and just wait on the Lord thank you Lord that you are a faithful father that you're a gracious God, that you give us strength in times of need. You give us grace in our time of need. And we want to approach you this evening, Lord, and find grace. But it feels like you want a deep clean, Lord. You want to just remove any obstacles to grace in our hearts, whether they be pride or self-righteousness or just busyness, Lord. You want to remove those obstacles. And you want us to find grace. I pray, Lord Jesus, that not a single person here tonight would leave this place without experiencing the nearness of your grace, Lord. We need your grace, Father. We don't want to grow stale, Lord. We don't want to grow stagnant. We want to be fresh, Lord.